Welcome to another episode of El Cafecito. My name is Leonardo Casenza. I'm your host for the second season, reminding everyone that El Cafecito is part of the Latin American Studies program. And we'd like to thank the Office of the Vice President at UFT for giving the award that made this podcast possible. Now for my introduction. I think that individually, COVID has changed our lives, but socially, it hasn't changed a single thing. Hey everyone, it's Anna. And you know what? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Hey, my name is Daniel. Um, I think I'm COVID-free. And even if I go to the hospital every day, thankfully I'm COVID-free. And I hope to get the vaccine soon. Hola, hello, Cuba. My name is Raquel, and Zoom meetings are here to stay. Hi, this is Steffi. And other than wearing masks in public and washing our hands constantly, have we really learned from the pandemic? Hi, this is Chris. And uh, after this four months of uh, summer in quarantine, I really hope we all can take this present to the past and try to uh, embrace a better future and a brighter future. Okay, so we're here to talk about the future post-COVID. And this pl- we had this episode planned in the sense that the COVID situation would have passed already or would be close to passing. But uh, we're sure that this new normal is going to stick for a while. And I'd like to start this reflection by going individually first and thinking about what has really changed in our lives in this past four months And I I know that personally, I had a moment of retraction of a lot of inward thought. I think these past five months were a moment of introspection and a moment of reflecting about my values and my future um, in these moments of quarantine. And I'm wondering what changed individually for you um, in this pandemic? And then we can move on forward to talk about how socially things are going to change. But I'd like to think first, individually, what has changed for you personally in this pandemic? Yeah, well, for me, I I used to be a workaholic of sorts. Like I, you know, was taking full-time school, working two part-time jobs. Like I was always on the go, always doing something. I'd never like to be still. Like I always wanted to be doing something. You know, I lost my job, school went online and everything stopped for me and at first it was really hard I was like I don't know what to do with all this extra time I don't like being alone with myself so for me as you said Leo, like it's been a lot of introspection I've been getting into self-care putting myself first before putting the world before my needs so that's been something positive that's changed for me and I'm kind of grateful well I think one of the uh, one of the things that I've, uh, that has changed sort of like in my life uh, with this experience of the pandemic and everything, it's uh, how uh, my awareness and in terms of uh, how I use my time and uh, what uh, what activities uh, do I dedicate most of my time to. So in that sense, I, I feel like this time has helped me uh, figure out how to be a bit more productive in the sense of how to use my time and how to actually focus because I remember like during the first during the first uh, weeks of, of the quarantine, everyone was like so difficult to find motivation, to find uh, to find the, 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 the mindset to, to just like focus and do the work. But I think after some time that, that has changed a bit and uh, I've been hopefully and thankfully becoming more uh, better, better in the use of my time, organized in that sense. Well, I, I think that my case, apart from the 
change in everyday activities. Uh, I think that I have to struggle with the pandemic, with the way I communicate with my friends and my family, because now I have to make a distance in my personal space. So I was like used by my culture to have physical relationships with everyone like touching like kissing like giving your hand and it it, it is like really difficult to accept that it, it is not allowed anymore and I, I i agree with anna because i i think i was workaholic too uh, like i'm a nerd i've never stopped studying since like i was four years old and then the pandemic came and my university closed and I had to start thinking about what else could I do I could do what hobbies I could find and what are my interests apart from university so it's like uh, having a time for me and putting my personal interests apart for the sake of the public health or the entire population Daniel, I really agree with you because like I'm a hugger and I'm a very like sentimental person. And being a Latina, like for me, it's hugging everyone, like saying hello or goodbye with a kiss on the cheek and all of that changed. And now I'm not able to do all these things. So it, now I really appreciate more human contact. I think that the pandemic have, has made me be more like being present at the moment when I'm having like family time or friends time, like really appreciating being physically in, like in the same place with someone. Like I know that uh, having these uh, tools to make contact with people that are in, are in other countries is been, has been really useful. Like I appreciate more than ever now that I, I can't be in the same space with my loved ones. Yeah, I can relate to many of the things that you all have mentioned. Uh, for me, this pandemic has, um, I don't know, I've been trying to like take a day by the time and like not plan everything, try to do like different things for myself, taking care of myself and doing whatever feels right for the moment. But it's not as perfect as it seems like. Especially like in the past few months, I've been on like my Instagram feed, I can see so many pictures and quotes that say like, yes, like it's okay to take time for, for yourself. You're not being like selfish. It's like, this is the time that we are go all going through and it's very hard. But at the same time, like I am really trying to acknowledge that and I'm really trying to believe that. But I, I just feel like it's hard when there are a lot of things going on around me and when I'm thinking about my future, when I'm thinking about what's gonna like the next two three years gonna look like, especially as I'm an international student and I don't know what like, is gonna happen in the next few years, few months with the pandemic itself. So it's been a time for me to really try to like take some time to take care of myself uh, and at the same time revalue what I think is essential and what I think is important to uh, do and like keep in my life uh, so so like so the so we can see that the pandemic brought revolutions into our lives you know I think we've been reconsidering a lot of um, the basic things that we thought were interesting in our own lives and my thesis here is that we have changed so much I think individually or maybe haven't I think that I've maintained a lot of the old habits that I've had in the past few months and I haven't been able to get out of them but 
we've um and i think that's why i think the podcast project was so important and i wanted to bring this reflection to the table was that i think that going through all these episodes and considering the indigenous question and black people's movement and the environment question i started to become a little bit more sensitive to understand in understanding how how latin american populations are really sensitive to certain changes in the environment and this pandemic has brought these inequalities back to the table and i wonder if we have we have changed so much individually and whether we're going to change our attitudes socially because as students we can we have a bright future ahead of us and we can change a lot of things ahead of us um but i'm wondering if this kind of a uh, change individually has brought any social changes in the future if we're actually going to be considerate and reduce our use of plastics or if we're going to be more socially conscious conscious and vote properly so i'm wondering if these individual changes are going to bring real social changes in the future for all of us and i'm wondering what you guys think i think that it's really interesting that you brought that to the table because um it seems that that idea of like are we changing or not I feel it's the the paradigm of uh, the future for societies and like what's going to dictate how, how societies are going to grow and uh, how are they going to keep developing through the time. So I feel the question it it really doesn't go towards the uh, the answer like the question of uh, how the cities are changing or or how or how you know like uh, countries are going to be affected in the future. But it's something more related to how societies and uh, how uh, human beings are going to start uh, acting, uh, you know, like functioning with their spaces, with their environment, the ambient that they're they're at, at the moment. So I think it's a, I think it's an important question to make, and I think it really de depends on the the way people are gonna keep acting and the way people are gonna behave. I think that we are uh, like right now facing like an opportunity to think about what are we expecting to change individually and to change in the community we live it's like a change uh, during the pandemic to reset what you think of your future and your present and what your society wants for you or what are you going to give to your society it's like you can even you can either ignore what's happening or you can take this opportunity to find hidden aspects in the society that we need to change even in the present because you know as you were saying we don't have like the certain the certain the certainty for the future that we used to have have before so it's like a like a moment to think inside you and to think what you can give to others to change now to make it like a, for a better future even if we don't know what it's going to happen next i think that the individual question has a lot to do with how we are doing or how we are achieving collection collective action the problem with this is that if we sorry, if our individual actions are not fired from like the same ideals as other people, there's not going to be any collective action at all. And I do feel that this time of, of a quarantine and the entire pandemic, we have seen a lot of individualistic acts. And I'm just worried that this idea of 
putting yourself first, which I, I support. I think it's important to put ourselves first. But there is a point where it will be really hard to manage what we want to achieve as a society as a whole. And to do that, we need to put aside what we want as individuals, but also like what we want as individuals that belong to a specific society. Um, so when thinking about what's like, what's gonna the future gonna look like, I can think of multiple scenarios, but I think there are two prominent. The first one when the, the first one will be shaped by individual decisions and individual like activities. And the other one where we can see more collective action, collective action that can take place in, for example, I'm thinking of the idea of uh, shopping locally and how like keep things like local. So you go in your neighborhood, there's the, uh, the, the, the food market and you're supporting local farmers, but you're also supporting organic food, uh, you're uh, supporting the idea of food with less pesticides and modified organisms. And at the same time, by shopping locally, you are supporting your own community. And that's like something that we need to keep in mind and something that I've seen in the past few months where like, here in Toronto, there's been, for example, in the Uber website or DoorDash or any of the other like platforms, they're advertising or they're promoting people to buy locally and support local businesses rather than big uh, food chains, right? So I think that we can see both things. One where like we're still gonna be dominated by these individualistic like approaches and ideas of how you're supposed to consume, what type of products you're supposed to to buy, what type of services you're supposed to get, and the other one where we can see more local support and more like even like grassroots programs and initiatives that will help the entire community so yeah i think that we can see both both aspects yeah second i agree with you i don't know if this is the sociologist in me but the way i see change in society it you know people in our classes so as you were saying there's a lot of indi individualist acts right now during the pandemic and you know this pandemic has really highlighted for me the essence of capitalism. Where we're struggling is this, it's the consequences of capitalism, you know? People are still going out to work. People are still part of the informal labor market because the like adequate safety provisions for our communities are not there. So you have to act in an, in an individualistic way. But at the same time, I do see people realizing this. Like people are, are now like, oh my God, like what is, why is our society shaped this way and why does it work this way? And it's, it's coming outside, like these conversations aren't just happening in classrooms, aren't just happening between students, like many people are having these conversations. So I see there is a literal class consciousness happening. Um, is it everywhere? Is it widespread? Are we having a revolution? I don't think so. But I think we are having these conversations and the people, you know, who have power, who have influence, celebrities, influencers, literally, are now having these conversations. Um, I was listening to a podcast about a daytime talk show for housewives here in Canada started talking about race, about white privilege, about like capitalism and consumerism on a daytime TV show. So I do see us changing, but I don't think it's gonna be immediate. I think it's, you know, 50, down, 50 years down the road, we're gonna see the, the effects. It feels for me like that things are, are not going to change. I have this, and I'm playing the devil's advocate here in a part, that the vaccine is going to come and we're going to forget these moments of crisis as if it was just the, another historical event and we've passed through it and we, we can keep on moving. I'm wondering if if really this this moment of crisis that we've gone through this whole year 
it's gonna real it's gonna change real social relations i think um some of the aspects that you brought to the table are really small they're consumer consumer identity and understanding race relations which is still a part of a real liberal agenda of transforming capitalism like Gana was saying and i don't think i don't think there's going to be any any major revolutionary changes coming from this pandemic other than our understandings as, as individuals and the types of conversations that we can bring to um, to the fore and i think that as students we 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 were very we were very happy to 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 bring to fore these kinds of ideas and these kinds of discussions um, in the pandemic, which I think is important, especially when people are in this moment of greater introspection. But I'm wondering that if this moment of introspection is just going to pass away, it's just going to be a passing thing where we, we feel the rampant inequality straight at our faces and um, so pertinent and so relevant in society and it's being talked about and people are considering basic income again and these discussions are coming back to the table. But I'm wondering if the vaccine is going to come and then everything is going to go back to normal. It's as if all the discussions and the debates that we had are we're just part of this momentary crisis period where everyone is at this crisis point and we're having to deal with all these rampant inequalities and we're going to reach a point where the pandemic is over and nothing is going to really change. We're going to have individual reflections of things that happened and we're going to have individual um, changes, changes in our own individual psyche, like we've discussed here, but no real social changes. And that's what makes me real sad about um, talking about the new normal, because when people talk about the new normal, they think the new normal is this condition, this revolution in ideas that has completely changed after the pandemic. But in a way, we're just back, we're just home. We're just caught back home reflecting about our future and about our past. So I think a deeper reflection has to be made first, but also this uh, a greater understanding of where we're coming from and the and the position that the pandemic has in our society. I think that it's uh, it was a point of crisis for so long, and that we should maintain this type of of reflection that we've been um, keeping on going for the past four months. I don't think it should die down because of of a vaccine. I think that the vaccine will solve the 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 public health question but not the political not the social aspects of the pandemic itself so yes I'm, i'm excited about the vaccine i think it will allow us to have more physical interactions with others but we cannot forget that there are more problems within the pandemic itself that the vaccine is not gonna solve and that's i think that as as, as members of our society we need to look into those Uh, questions as well, uh, because once the let's say the, the public the public health question is is resolved, we're still going to face, as we have talked in this podcast, the different problems that indigenous peoples are facing. The problem that regarding like the environment and food insecurity, problems that students are facing, problems related to mental health. So there are just multiple questions that we need to address that the vaccine is not going to be able to. So. That's something that we need to keep in mind. The vaccine, like, it's not going to be, like, vaccine comes out on day one and everyone gets it at the same time and then, boom, we're done. Like, the vaccine, who gets it, is going to be determined by the same power structures that we have right now. Which countries, which communities get it. So, again, I feel like the vaccine is just going to be, like, the icing on top. Like, 
you know, of course the rich and the powerful are gonna get that vaccine first and our indigenous and black communities are gonna get it last. So that, that's what I think. I don't know. I also share the point of view that when the vaccine comes, like we're gonna forget about like the the main issue that brought us where we are right now. That like we know that this pandemic started because someone consumed an animal that was in no sanitary conditions, right? And like right now, China is having conversations with Argentina on having them produce, uh, increase their production of pig 14 times that they are like producing right now, which makes uh, like makes Argentina have more uh, factory farms. And factory farms are like, where, uh, are the next, are gonna produce the next pandemic. And that's happening right now when we are living a pandemic. So, and they're still having conversations about like making that uh, real. So it's like, we're not learning anything if we're like going back to the same place that put us here in the first, uh, that put us here. I think that we can come to some conclusions as we are talking. The first one I would like to share is like the vaccine is like a way out, but it is not the whole solution. I mean, we will have the vaccine, but the illness is not going to be over. And we will be shown so new social issues because we are not getting the vaccine in the same opportunity, especially in Latin American countries where uh, I'm really concerned that this is going to be an uh, opportunity to get more corruption, more profit in the governments, and by special populations are going to be uh, uh, like isolated, like affected, like they're not going to get the vaccine. So it will it will like not only be the top of the iceberg, but it, it will be like the top of many icebergs. I think that I agree with Stephanie. Estefania, because we are not thinking like in the wrong things that we have made uh, to get to this point and at the same time during the consequences of our wrong choices we are making new things new choices new desires to get to the same point and it makes me like wonder if like we are being conscious or not in the change that this has made to us because we are like the thinkers and we are like as social animals we have to change even if we don't realize it and it makes me wonder are we going to change to get to the same point or are we going to change to have a better future i appreciate your question uh daniel in the sense that um i feel that that question is essential at this point of our societies and in every country but I don't really agree with the idea of like after this happening uh, after all it's done after COVID after quarantine it's over we're gonna be back to normal I feel like that idea of, of the normal and what is normal and how societies are normal or what's a normal day really depends on the uh, on the ethos and the consciousness that we have over present on our past. So like if we fast forward our future in, in a couple of months, we're gonna have this idea of what happened, what our past was, what our present is. And of course it's not gonna be normal. Like I feel like in every aspect from economy, 
to cities, to public spaces, to health, everything is just gonna be different. We're gonna have the same basis, but we're not gonna have the same past and we're not gonna have the same idea of, 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 our, of what, we, what we had to carry on on our backs. So I feel like everything, everything is just gonna start developing in a, let's say, similar way, but with its difference. It's difference in, 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 every, in every field of, of human sciences, technologies, uh, communication, etc. You know, I, when, you sit and you talk about big changes, I, I go back to thinking about the Brazilian middle class and how it saw the president that it voted for completely misleading a public health crisis. And I'm wondering if this same middle class is going to, middle urban class is going to want to vote for someone else, someone who could have led the crisis in a better way. And it doesn't seem to me like this change is going to happen. We have, for example, last week we had the governor of Rio um, in prison for corruptions, for corruption charges. And it just makes me feel like things are not going to change. The same repetitive political corruption scandals are happening um, despite the pandemic, and they're going to keep on happening despite the pandemic. And um, this change in voter consciousness is not going to happen from a public health crisis, I think. I think uh, it has to expose, and it has exposed many of our social inequalities, but I think it would have to exist for a, for a way longer time for people to actually um, perceive their positionality in their, their social scale and understand what kind of changes we can make. And I think, I think that's a very pertinent question. What changes we can make as students following this crisis? Because we've gone, many of us students had to stop completely our, our classes. And now in September, I think things in Brazil are starting going back to normal and in Canada too. But going back to classes, I wonder how we as students can bring some change or at least be part of this new change. Because uh, after all, we're the future of society. Pretty interesting to that you mentioned uh, this like sort of health crisis and like political crisis in South America because it feels to me that like and this is going to be repetitive because pretty much everyone says it but um, it feels to me that for Latin America we were not only hidden by COVID but also by corruption and the uh, immorality of our leaders. So in that sense, I really hope for a future and for the better future of our cities and our countries that students like us and society in general aim to be more educated and politically involved with, with their countries uh, and with the realities we have to face up. Because, I mean, it really depends on us. It really depends on the societies or, 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 or politics and our politicians really reflect the way we are as a, as a society. Yeah, I completely agree with you that we as students have to be more involved in politics. Not uh, like not only the ones that study law or international relationships, but like all the students. So we know like what's going on in our countries. Like uh, Ecuador is gonna like next year we're gonna face new elections, and there are so many candidates, like 19 candidates, and it's like what you you don't know where they come from, you don't know their past of, but like you have to be involved to like read about them and like know who you're voting for and like 
the same thing to the assembly and all these other uh, political people. So I think, yeah, we, we need to be involved in that to make a change. Well, I, I think that we can get hopeless and frustrated about uh, political issues in our countries in the macro scenario because I don't know if you think the same, but I don't have any faith in my government. I don't have any faith in the political and social programs that they are doing. But uh, I think that the, this time is like the opportunity to make us uh, think like, what can we do in our little world, in our little communities to change? Like uh, give the opportunity of to give, give the opportunity to make other people, other young people aware of their destiny because the, the government right now is like not thinking about what is going to be next, they are just thinking about getting the profit or anything like really, really away from our public interests and I think that we, we could start thinking about the little changes that we can make in our society. So it's like quite impossible for us, even for a group of six, like we are here to change a, a whole society. So we can make like plant a seed in the change. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I'm now in a period of reflection. I'm literally going into a master's of policy and I'm, I've been thinking like, what is my impact going to be? Like, am I just going to be a cog in the machine that's still doing the same thing? But I'm not going to be. I've obviously not. I don't want to. But I've, I've realized that the most successful change in our community is small. It, it comes from the ground up and it comes from people caring for each other, literally like not expecting a reciprocal relationship. It's like right now I'm going to take care of you and I've and if you don't take care of me in the future, that's okay, but I'm gonna do what I can right now. And so I think that's what students need to do is, you know, how can we help each other? How can we help our fellow students? How can we help, for example, our international students right now? Um, how can we help our students who don't have access to Wi-Fi? Maybe I can help them. So I think that's what we need to do moving forward is just be more caring and, and stop thinking about what others can do for you. Just like try to find a way to care for others. And now that you mentioned the, uh, the importance of international students and uh, for, for our community, right? Because like at the end of the day, El Cafecito is part of uh, the Latin American uh, studies at, at the University of Toronto, in, in a way also like pretty connected to the organization of Latin American students. So in a sense, not only in the University of Toronto or in Toronto or in Canada, but in, in, in the whole world where the students are uh, away from their homes and away from their families or their people. Um, I think it's it's important for them to connect with uh, people uh, that share the same values and understand them in, in a sense. So that's why for whoever like is listening to El Cafecito and is going to U of T for, for sure, like uh, an opportunity like being connected with with all us with the organization of Latin American students, it's it's it's. I know it's gonna be really good, and I know it's working really hard in this year as well. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a something really important to keep in mind. And now that we're in the conversation of international students, I cannot think. I'm just 
very confused and at the same time really trying to understand why the university uh, increased uh, international students tuition for this new academic year. It increased by like 5.4% or, or something. This is just one example that we can look at, but when we are thinking about education and the importance of having access to quality education, when we think about the importance of having teachers that are well-trained and staff members that are can support students, not only for their academic careers, but also in their personal lives. When, when we think about all these and when we see that it's really hard to afford, first of all, like tuition when you're attending like a, uh, a university that is not in your country. Uh, and then when we can think about, let's say, my, my friends in Ecuador, most of them attend private universities in, in Quito. I don't think there was a significant change of their tuition and other fees that they have to pay. And most of the students, not most, but they, they can see many dropouts. And it's not because they don't want to have access to education. It's not that they don't want to have a professional degree. It's just that they cannot afford to have access to that. So when we are saying that we are the future because we are the future, but when we can see that right now, these students don't have access to uh, quality education, when it's really hard to afford private, uh, to attend private schools, even if it's in Ecuador, if it's here in Canada, when it's that expensive for students to have access to all these services that we need to be as well-minded, as critical, as even have this interdisciplinary and international perspective, I cannot stop thinking like what's going to happen for all the ones that cannot do that. We barely talk like I talked about this in the previous episodes about students that don't have access to even a computer or Wi-Fi. So when we talk about the future, I'm very concerned about what how this pandemic is changing our future and our generation as most of the students like worldwide, they don't have access to like online school. And when right now, at least it's already September, at least in, in, in my country, most of the students in the Highlands have started a school this week. Uh, but we can see that their lives have have changed so much. I'm really worried as to the effects of this decrease in education and this decreasing of opportunities for, for students. That's why it's important for for students to organize themselves. And I and I see here not only the Organization of Latin American Students as a good example, but other forms of organizing ourselves that make our voices heard. And I think it's it's important <clears throat> to to face these challenges together. And that's why we have to unite as students in in formal organizations in order to make our points heard by people that are that actually matter. And I think that sometimes um, experiences like Radio Viral help spread this consciousness and spread this understanding of what are the critical aspects that we have to have in life and what are the critical um, perspectives that we need to bring into fore when discussing uh, mental health and when discussing the environment and when discussing different topics in Latin America. Bringing back to um, El Cafecito, it's important to understand how different populations are suffering through this pandemic. And um, as Raquel pointed out, international students, which usually the focus here at Cafecito, um, are being particularly affected. So us as international students, we have also the duty and the rights to organize ourselves in and protect those that are around us. And not only um, financially when we can, but also socially and emotionally, right? And I think that's what 
the the individual revolution that the pandemic has brought, at least for me, was that as Anna was saying, we have to be a little bit more caring and open with people, and especially in the student environment where um, relationships tend to be really toxic. You know, I I've been thinking in just the recent times that we're thinking about students and we are lucky to be studying something, but we have to think about the young people who does don't have the opportunity to get any access to education. So how are we expecting to make a change, to make a different solution, to propose a different country in Latin America if we don't conceive the way that uh, uneducated young people expect for the change? And if we don't um, give them the tools to be educated and to participate actively in the change that we are proposing. So I, I think th this is like one challenge that we could perceive in the pandemic times that we are not having the same opportunities, we are not having like the same living conditions to afford a quarantine and we don't have like the same tools to afford a future before co after COVID. So it makes me like feel really hopeless. I don't know, I don't want to be negative, but I'm really worried. Yeah, I'm really worried too, because in Ecuador, I feel like there's a huge wall between public and private education, like at all levels and um, uh, universities or just high school, like they, I feel like they work so separately and it's not like uh, between universities, you have like connections, like a uh, with public university to know what like their research is and like to help build a strong community like because we all are students we all have the same purpose of like creating a better like a better future for our country right but i feel like the public and private sector works so separately that you don't feel a community at all and as an international student myself i have a lot of mixed feelings about it because it's like okay i left my country to pursue uh, a better education in a sense but i also want to go back and give my country what I learned and and all the things and I think that every international student has that thought like that thought cross their minds but like when I see how the science sector is in Ecuador right now like I get so disappointed and unmotivated to to like try and and come uh, come back to work here because like there's a lack in, in everything. We don't produce any uh, substances. There's a huge bureaucratic process to even obtain permits to like have a research and the people that give you the, these permits are not even uh, a specialist on what they're giving you the permit on. Like they don't know what your research is, but like they have to give you the permit. And it's just such, it's a huge bureaucratic uh, issue here with science and uh, it's been like uh, lots of PhD uh, and scientists in Ecuador right now are talking about it and like are putting these uh, topics on the table because there are so many uh, adequate training uh, with Arabic expertise uh, uh, professionals in Ecuador but there is no uh, opportunities for them to work either on the public or private sector. So it's like they, all, they, all the money and time that they invest in their education is like 
they, they are not like having a, a space to develop that. And I don't think that after the pandemic, that's gonna, that's going to change. Maybe just uh, going back to the idea of uh, education and uh, how sad it, it actually is to think about all the people that don't have the, the ability and the possibilities to, to have a proper education, a proper formation with values, with, uh, with uh, a proper uh, collocation of different sciences and different technologies and, and, and you know, in developing countries like like Ecuador, like Colombia, like pretty much every South, all South America, pretty much if we're talking about uh, those type of uh, developing countries. Um, it is, it is, uh, it is sad and it's heartbreaking to think about all these people who lives in uh, rural zones that won't have access to, to any mediums of, of education nor communication because that's a different story. But uh, I, I do feel hopeless, but, uh, but I also have the, they hope and uh, I'm not trying to be redundant but I, I do have this like thingy in my heart and like in my feelings that says that Latin American communities and people from Latin America are characterized for being people that grind and really work uh, for things so I really really hope that our future leaders and our future entrepreneurs or future scientists or future technologies they help uh, or, or countries to help our communities and they they start reclaiming what is what is what is what is good worth keeping in our countries in our societies and just like from from now on from like to 2020 and after just keep keep up with with this aim and this willingness to to be better in every sense uh in education technologies science in everything so that i i, I think that's really my, my my mind where my mindset is just like focusing and doing my thing and hoping all the people do their own thing as well in, in the best way possible one of the conclusions that i have for this topic we're talking is that i think like like as Latin people, we have to make ourselves conscious about the potential we have, even if we don't have the tools to develop it. But I think that we can make the change by knowing about what we are good about. Um, I don't know, it may be if we are not given the tools, we have to create them to make a better future. So I, I think that it is possible because we as Latins, as Colombians, Brazilians, Ecuadorians, we are resilient. And that's uh, a really good quality of us that gives me like the, the hope back. Okay, so let's stick to this resilience and let's keep with our struggle. I'd like to thank everyone for coming, reminding that El Cafecito is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Uh, thank you, Rado Viral. Thank you, everyone. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.